Welcome to Sightseeing Japan, the podcast where we explore the land of superstar singers. I'm Paul Bresson. And I'm <laughs> Jason Neeling. We're going to start with the singing early here. I love it. I love it. Because today we're talking about karaoke, or in American, karaoke, which is a very popular pastime in Japan that has since spread to the rest of the world. Oh, man, you said that the most American way ever. I love it. But that's exactly how I say it, too, just because I always have and everyone does. And that's just how, how Americans say it. Unless I'm in Japan, then maybe I'd try to say karaoke, karaoke. Yeah. Yeah. Karaoke. <laughs> karaoke. Maybe it sounds Midwest. Karaoke. <laughs> let's sing some karaoke. <laughs> Yeehaw, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So, <laughs> karaoke is singing songs to musical accompaniment synchronized with the lyrics displayed on the screen. So you don't forget them. That's pretty much it. Yeah. You got a screen, uh, the lyrics are going by. Usually there's something that kind of moves along with the words to let you, like, to help you get the timing right. Yep. I need that. I'm the worst. I'm the worst with timing. Jason knows this. Paul, you're being too hard on yourself. How many, how many times we used to play Guitar Hero and I would panic and start speeding up and you'd have to be like, dude, slow down, slow down. <laughs> it's natural, man. It's easy to do. You know, I got that uh, Taiko no Tatsujin game yeah. where I'm drumming along. That's just like the natural thing. When you start to get flustered and you like don't, you're not quite locked in, you just naturally start like speeding up because you don't want to fall behind. Yeah. You know? And then you get further off and yeah. it's tough. I have a mad respect for musicians. You work really hard to become that good at something like that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so karaoke happens in a lot of different places. In America, you know, karaoke bars are not uncommon, or at least normal bars that have like a karaoke night or something. Yep. Uh, there are, you know, karaoke clubs. In Japan, the most popular way to do karaoke is in what they call karaoke boxes, mm -hmm. which are just like little private rooms where you can get a, a small group of people together to do karaoke together. Yep. It's a pastime enjoyed by... All ages, all people in Japan. Mm -hmm. I mean, not every single person, but... All types of people. All types of people enjoy karaoke. Yeah. They would like singing, and most people, I feel like, like singing. Yeah. I mean, the biggest barrier there is just self-consciousness. You know, a lot of people are embarrassed to sing in front of other people. Maybe they, they're just not confident in their abilities, but... You know, it, it's not, karaoke is not about being an amazing singer. It's about having fun and like hanging out with your friends. And there's no need for judgment in that kind of place, you know? Yep. A lot of the best karaoke performers aren't necessarily the best singers. They're the ones that just like live into it and put on a show for you. Yeah. No one's expecting you to be a professional quality singer. Yeah. You just got to let loose and put your heart into it. Paul, do you know where the word karaoke comes from or what it means yes kara is empty and oke is orchestra yeah it's like just a shortened version of orchestra so empty orchestra yep makes sense it's empty because there's no vocal that's that's your job to fill yeah. that part in yep got a quick statistic for you paul oh uh, hit me did you know that the global karaoke market is estimated to be worth almost $10 billion. I did stumble across that fact. That's okay. pretty mind-blowing. It's a big number. It's a, it's a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, songs are usually available in multiple languages. So even in Japan, you can usually find some English songs, or Chinese or Korean even, maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if you're visiting Japan and you've never, you've never done karaoke, you should check it out. Give it a shot. Yeah. And even in your home country, you might be able to find a karaoke place. There, there are a few of them around here where we live. Yeah. I just checked. The nearest one to us isn't back open yet, but hopefully very soon. Nice. Because I was trying to go. Yeah. There's more than 100,000 karaoke boxes in Japan. That doesn't surprise me one bit. That's crazy. I love it. You know, it. I remember back in the ramen episode, I remember saying like, 
if you look up how that word ramen is written in katakana, you'll start to recognize that word everywhere in Japan. Like there are ramen shops everywhere. Yeah. I feel like it's the exact same thing with karaoke. If you just learn how that word looks in Japanese, you'll see them everywhere. Yeah. If you're in a downtown area or near a train station, you're like almost for sure going to see one, Mm -hmm. if not two or three. Yeah. I, I have pictures of Tokyo from like uh, the Mori Tower in Roppongi, you know? Yeah. And I noticed one day, I was just like looking at all the little things that I managed to capture in that picture. And it's like, oh, there's a karaoke place. There's a karaoke <laughs> place. Because like, they have big neon signs, you know? Yeah. They're very conspicuous. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. So should we talk about some karaoke history, Paul? Yeah, let's give a little overview here. All right. Karaoke dates back to the early Heian period in the 12th century. Just kidding. (laughs) Because karaoke requires electronics, and they didn't have electronics a thousand years ago. I thought you were going to say they, like, uh, threw some calligraphy on a scroll and, like, scrolled it by as the (laughs) musicians were playing. Well, you know, you could say that sing-alongs are the earliest form of karaoke. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It kind of definitely evolved from sing-alongs. Yeah, and of course, sing-alongs go all the way back to the very origins of singing. I've heard that the difference between sing-along and karaoke is there being a main singer. Like, if you're watching yeah. a sing-along in a movie, like, there's an actor or actress singing, and they're the main singer. Mm-hmm. In karaoke, it's just you or just everybody. That is an important distinction, yeah. So... Kind of along with that point, I saw that in the early 1960s, there was an, an American TV series called Sing Along with Mitch. Did you hear about this? Uh, Mitch. Everybody knows Mitch. <laughs> I'd never heard of Mitch. I, I haven't either. <laughs> so at first glance, it looked a lot like karaoke. Like basically on this show, they would play songs and then they'd have the lyrics on the screen so you could sing along. But like you said, I wouldn't quite consider it karaoke because there was a chorus you know, it wasn't instrumental. There are already people singing and you're just singing along with those people. Yep. But in the late 1960s in Japan was when the first karaoke machine prototype started popping up. So in 1967, there was a Japanese engineer named Shigeichi Negishi who made the first prototype. And then three years later, a singing coach named Toshiharu Yamashita started selling eight-track accompaniment tapes. Paul, do you have any experience with eight-tracks? Uh, I saw one once. That's <laughs> okay. about it. Yeah, that's pretty old technology at this point. So eight-tracks were uh, a sound recording technology that were common from the 60s to the 80s. When I was a kid, my parents had an eight-track machine in the basement. Okay. I remember playing with that a couple times, but... Most of my childhood was cassette tapes, I guess. Yeah, same here. I started with cassettes, the old Walkman. Yeah. So in 1971, a musician named Daisuke Inoue, he's considered the inventor of karaoke because he took these accompaniment tapes and incorporated those into the first karaoke machine, which he called the Eight Juke. Yeah, he's still honored to this day in Japan as the inventor of karaoke. Yeah. I'm thinking that eight juke name probably means like eight track jukebox. Yeah, that makes sense. Did they call them jukeboxes in Japan? I mean, they did import a lot of that 50s American culture. So maybe. Yeah. So basically this machine was just an eight track player, but then there were also microphones hooked up so you could sing along and it could play 40 songs. Ooh. Decent selection. That's kind of impressive. Yeah. So what he did was he took this and started renting this machine out to bars and clubs, and then those bars and clubs would charge their customers 100 yen per song. It's about the equivalent of three American dollars in modern money. Okay. 2021 dollars. Okay. So cheap, but a little bit, it'll add up, like if yeah. people are playing all night. Exactly. Enough to make some money. Yeah. So now you got karaoke. And these bars and clubs 
are interested in marketing this, you know? Yeah. And not just bars and clubs either. They started setting these things up in restaurants, even hotel rooms. Yeah, you check into a hotel room and you got a whole karaoke machine That's all the way cool. back in the 70s. Like, whoa. That's really cool. I feel like hotel rooms, well, I guess they had TVs, but hotel rooms can be kind of boring places. It'd be nice to have a karaoke machine. Yeah, that'd be so cool. Did you see that the patent holder for karaoke machines is not Japanese? No. Yeah, you know a never patented it for whatever reason. So a guy named Roberto Del Rosario from the Philippines holds the worldwide patent on karaoke machines. I didn't even realize there were worldwide patents. I didn't think of that. Like The world's an odd place. How does that work? Yeah. Tell me, Paul. I, I you know everything about patents. Something, right? about, something about globalism or something. <laughs> okay. I'll have to look that up. I guess I assumed that like each country would have their own patent office. And I don't know how. I don't to, know. to be fair, I don't have all the deets, but I heard there was technology of the sort happening in the Philippines too. Okay. He didn't just like grab one of Inoue's machines and reverse engineer it and patent it. Like mm. Philippines had its own thing going on and this guy got the patent because okay. he thought to do it. Cool. Uh, so at this point with this first machine, they still didn't have a video screen with lyrics though. You know, it was just the audio going on. And then they had a special lyric book that went along with it that you could read the lyrics from. Okay. It was in the 1980s when the first video screens were incorporated into this system. So now you got the lyrics going by, you got some sort of indicator, like I said, bouncing along or whatever, helping you out with the timing of the lyrics. Were they able to do that because they started using laser discs? And that's like a digital technology where you can like do more things? That could be. I Yeah, I didn't think of that. Like There must have been some technology that integrated the audio and the video part. Yeah, reading about all this history and technology, I heard a lot about like laser discs, but it was all like making my brain hurt and I wasn't like a hundred percent understanding yeah, well, how everything stuff, worked together. That stuff evolves so fast, you know. But yeah, I did see, you know, the the technology evolved. You got the laser discs and then CDs and then DVDs. And now you just got hard drives yeah. loaded with songs. Or the cloud. Yeah, it's it's all on the internet now. <laughs> So when, when they started doing the lyrics on the screens, you would have the lyrics superimposed over pictures or later on music videos, which is still pretty common, I think. You know, they're the lyrics, but then the people that aren't singing can also watch this video going on behind the lyrics. And sometimes they're kind of silly videos. Yeah, yeah, some of them are. Like they would be made by the karaoke company, not by, like it wouldn't be the official music video for that song. Yeah. And uh, they're entertaining. Some of them, I remember, like, they look like bad promos for, like, a romance drama. Yeah, yeah or like a soap opera sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> so in the mid-1980s, this is when these private karaoke booths or karaoke boxes were first created. Ah, uh, karaoke as I know and love it. Yeah. And I was surprised to learn that the very first ones were made out of shipping containers. What? Yeah. Because they wanted to do it in a place where the noise wasn't bothering other people. So they would take all these shipping containers, set them up in remote locations, and, you know, divide them up into little karaoke boxes. You can make all the noise you want. That's cool. Yeah. But then once that trend caught on with young people, the karaoke booth started popping up in urban centers as well. You just got to soundproof those walls. Mm-hmm. So in the 1990s, Karaoke got a big boost because of the internet. All of a sudden, you know, these places didn't have to buy karaoke machines with a specific set of songs. Now they could download new songs and, you know, always be on top of the latest hits. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. This is also when karaoke spread to the rest of Asia and on to the rest of the world as well. In-home karaoke machines started being marketed all over but for whatever reason, they didn't have much success in the U.S. and Canada. Why is that, you think? I mean, I remember seeing some of those 
machines as a kid. Yeah, they were around. And they just never looked very good. Like the sound was bad. It was like funky hooking them up to your TV. I mean, I imagine the technology was pretty much the same kind of stuff they were getting in Japan and it caught on there. Maybe most people didn't have good enough speakers. If you're just trying to use the audio like from your TV, it's probably not going to sound very good. So what I read is that the karaoke machine in the US and Canada, I guess, kind of morphed into home theater systems. Okay. So like, you know, people wanted the big screen and they wanted big speakers so they could get good sounding sound. They just didn't want to use it for karaoke. They just ended up watching a bunch of movies on it. Yeah. Maybe maybe Americans are just lazy. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I really, I'm curious, like what the cultural thing there is that prevented it from catching on in the US, you know? Yeah, who who knows how some stuff catches on and doesn't. But it has caught on in America, eventually. I mean, it's still not nearly as big as it is in Asia. Well, yeah, not everything can be. But they started opening up karaoke bars in, in uh, Los Angeles, and it started getting popular. And now, like you said, there's bars all over the country in every city that do karaoke nights. Even most big cities in America seem to have like a, at least one place where you can rent the karaoke boxes. Yeah, that's true. So it's it's there, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the latest technological advance of karaoke is that now you can stream karaoke tracks. Like I mentioned, the cloud. You know, you can do karaoke at home if you want to. All you got to do, well, you don't even need a microphone, really. You can just go on YouTube. There are tons of karaoke tracks on YouTube. Just play them out of your computer and sing along. Now you're doing karaoke. I've done it. Or you could get a microphone if you want to feel real professional and plug that into your computer. You've done it. I do it all the time. (laughs) Dude, I don't know why it took me so long to realize that YouTube has a ton of karaoke tracks, but they do. And they have like pretty obscure stuff sometimes. You know, not everything, but you can find stuff. Like I was surprised to find some of my favorite songs from, you know, my high school years or or whatever. You're finding these like 15, 20 year old songs that like aren't popular anymore and like someone did them and you're yeah. like, yeah. And they weren't like huge songs at the time even, you know? I found a, a YouTube channel of somebody that apparently had the same kind of childhood as me because they, they're they just- had everything. They're karaoke-izing all of the same songs that I listened to as a kid, you know? Nice. Pretty awesome. Nice. Now let's examine the technology that is required for karaoke machine. Okay. It needs to be able to play music. Yes. It needs microphone inputs. Mm-hmm. It needs speakers. Oh yeah. It needs that screen so it can show you the lyrics. Preferably big. Because yeah. it's more fun. Preferably, definitely. Right? Yeah. But maybe the most specialized technology is that you should have a way to alter the pitch of the music. Because not everybody has the same vocal range. And you know, those high notes can be really hard to hit sometimes. So it's pretty nice to have a button that you can hit to just knock the key down a few notches and make it easier to sing. Yeah, that is some really cool technology. It is. And it doesn't mess with the tempo of the song at all. Right. There are also usually options that let you adjust the reverb and delay Mm -hmm. on your vocals. Maybe there might even be some other vocal effects, you know, to try to get your voice to kind of sit in the mix a little better. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Now, I saw that some low-end karaoke machines have what they call vocal suppression. Did you read about this at all? No. So the idea here is that you can just give the machine a regular song, you know, with the original vocals. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then it's it has this programming that tries to take out those vocals so that you are left with an instrumental track that you can sing along to. I think I forgot about that because everyone was saying like, it doesn't work that well. Yeah. It usually doesn't work very well. And I've heard some really horrendous results. I should have, I should have looked up what it sounded like. It's Uh. I mean, it can be really garbage. (laughs) Like, so the most primitive form of this technology just, takes everything that's panned to the center of the mix and gets rid of all of it. But the thing is, the vocals aren't the only thing that are usually panned to the center. You also got like the bass, the kick and the snare drum, 
you know, there can be some other really important parts of the mix that you're, that just disappear. What about like during a guitar solo when there are no vocals? That could be too. And it's just ripping music out. Yeah. Okay. So not ideal. And some of the covers aren't always the best either. That's true. Uh, so a lot of karaoke tracks are MIDI tracks, basically. MIDI is kind of a, they're fake instruments, basically. Like it's not a real performance. It's it's where a computer can take this MIDI programmed track and use fake instruments to play that out of the speakers. So that makes it really easy to change the key because the MIDI track can just be shifted up and down, but it doesn't always sound great. Yeah. Like it, it just doesn't have the same energy, the same organic feel as the original recording. Yeah, if you really love a song and then like you start listening, you're like, it doesn't really sound like it. Yeah. Sometimes. Sometimes there's like a actual live recording. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds great. And sometimes the MIDI can be done really well. It really depends on the karaoke company. Uh, I actually found some YouTube channels that do karaoke tracks, and they're amazing. Like, I don't know exactly what technology they're using to do it, but there are some where they, they use the original recording of a song, and they manage to pull the vocals out perfectly. Mm. Like, it sounds exactly like the original recording, just without the vocals. Interesting. Yeah. Some of them, I just assume people were just like playing all of it. Like, I'm going to get my guitar and I'm going to play it. And I'm going to get my bass and I'm going to play it. And I'm going to play the drums. They just put it together themselves without the vocals. There is a lot of that too. But that's like a ton of work. Yeah, definitely. But it can sound really good if you're good. Yes. But yeah, that vocal suppression technology, whatever it is, seems to be evolving. There are some pretty good versions of it out there. Yeah. When AI gets a little bit better, maybe those will start getting really good. Mm -hmm. Another interesting thing is that since karaoke is so popular in Japan, a lot of Japanese artists release instrumental versions of their songs that you can use for karaoke. That's so cool. Yeah. So like if you buy a single of your favorite song, it might just have an instrumental version included. <laughs> they know. They know what you want to do. Mm -hmm. So I haven't experienced this myself yet. But some of the newer machines have pitch correcting technology that's actually similar to auto-tune mm. that uh, evens out wobbly pitches, make you sound better. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's kind of cool. It can make you sound good, but karaoke is not necessarily about sounding good anyways. I don't know. I don't know if I really care. Yeah. You know, I, I've played around with auto-tune quite a lot. Yeah. And... I've found that it's really distracting and difficult to sing when you're not hearing yourself sing. You're hearing an auto-tuned version of yourself singing. Like it, it can really throw you off because that's not how you're hearing yourself through your head. You know huh. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. I'd be curious to see how they implement that. Let's talk about what your experience is going to be like at a karaoke box place in Japan. We'll yeah. do a little virtual visit. Yeah, they tend to be open pretty much all day, about 11 a.m. to like 3 a.m., something like that. Yeah, on the weekends, they might be open even later. Yeah. Or a lot of them are even open 24 hours a day. Advanced reservations are possible, but not required. It mm -hmm. depends a little bit on the time and day you're going. If you're going like Tuesday afternoon, you're probably not going to have to wait. Friday night, you might, you might have to wait. You might not. Mm -hmm. Like we said earlier, they're often located near train stations. Shouldn't be too hard to find one, especially if you're in a bigger city. Yep. They're not hard to find at all. Once you pick one out and you walk inside, there's going to be a receptionist that will greet you. And depending on the place, you might actually have to register if you're a first-time customer. Mm -hmm. It's not complicated. You just fill out a simple form, show them ID. But it depends. Like some places you don't need to register. Some places you have the option of registering. And if you are a member, you can get a discount in price. Yeah, you just got to go up to the counter and see what they need. Yep. See what's up. You got to tell them the number of people in your group because they mm -hmm. tend to charge per person. 
Mm-hmm. And they're going to help you choose a room depending on the size of your group. You yep. know, they're going to be different sized rooms. Some, I saw that there are even some that can accommodate up to 40 people, which is just crazy. I've never seen one that big. Like that sounds like you're renting out a whole bar, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Biggest I've seen is 15, maybe 20. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you got to tell them how long you plan to be there. Mm-hmm. And you can possibly put an initial food or drink order as well for yeah. them to deliver when it's ready. Some places might even require you to order at least one drink. Yep. So you said you're going to pay by person, right? And you're also going to pay by the half hour usually? Yeah. Usually per person, per half hour. And the price range, there's a pretty wide range. It depends on the place. Could be anywhere from 100 yen per half hour per person. It's like, you know, $1, Mm -hmm. which is a good deal. Yeah. Up to like five times that or even more. And there's different prices usually between off-peak periods and peak periods. So again, if you're there Friday night, you're probably going to be paying on the higher end. Mm -hmm. You might also have your pick of karaoke machines. They'll have different machines. So I went to a place that had like different models that had different song selections. And each one of those was a different price depending on its features and, you know, how new it was, that kind of thing. Yeah. and. There's often an option for all you can sing, which is a fixed rate for either the entire peak period or the entire off-peak period. Mm. So it might be from like 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. You would just go nuts. Or then from 5 p.m. to close or something like that. I imagine that would be great for like a group of friends that just needs a place to hang out for the night, you know? Because in Japan, like a lot of people don't have big enough homes to entertain in. Yeah, you know, you just go to the karaoke place and you, you've got this cool hangout the whole night. You can sing when you feel like it. You can get some snacks and drinks and just chill when you feel like it. Yeah, exactly. Sounds great. All right, so you finally figure out what room you need and how many people and how long. And now you need to go sing, right? Yeah. So you got to select songs. There's usually... The latest popular hits, but there's also usually a backlog of the classics. Mm -hmm. And as Paul mentioned at the beginning, they're going to have a ton of Japanese songs, of course, also English, Korean, Chinese, maybe more. But in those other languages that aren't Japanese, you know, they're probably going to have a more limited selection. And it might be kind of more focused on the, the really, the biggest hits, you know, like when I went to one, they had stuff like, the Beatles, oh, yeah. and, oh, yeah. uh, you know, just the biggest songs. Yeah, it's interesting to me sometimes, like, which English songs they have and they don't have. Yeah. They have a lot of, like, the really most popular songs, but there are some things that I thought were really popular that just must have, like, never made it to Japan for whatever reason that I can't find, and it's yeah. like, oh, interesting. Yeah, I managed to find some Blink-182. Nice. But, you know, just the biggest ones, all the small things. That kind of stuff. Yeah, they might have like three or four songs or something. Yeah. So the karaoke player is digital and there's a remote control you can use. You just type in the number of the song that you can look in through a reference book or you can also search on the screen using the controller as well. Right. And then you just hit start or you can hit add to queue. And you can stack up a whole bunch of songs and it'll just keep playing the next one when your song finishes. Yeah, there's a lot of flexibility. It's pretty nice. And there are the buttons to turn up the pitch, Mm -hmm. turn the pitch down. You get halfway through your deathcore song and you're like, my throat's tired. I can't keep screaming like this. You can hit next song and you can just scoot right on up to the next one. Exactly. Sometimes there might be a tambourine or other auxiliary percussion instruments. Maybe some maracas or whatever. Yep, yep. so everyone can get involved. Yeah, even if you're not singing, you got something to do. Yeah. If it's a song I like, I often sing along, even like without a microphone, just to myself, Mm -hmm. you know, as I'm like having a good time, keeping my voice warm. Yeah. But there's usually at least a couple microphones. Yeah, I mean, you you need to be able to do duets and sing together. Got to be able to do those Disney duets. So I found a list of the 10 most popular karaoke songs in the world. Oh. You know, number one? 
Um, don't stop believing. Oh, good guess. Is it in the top ten? Um, no. It's from the King of Pop, Billy Jean. Yep, uh, I knew it. Billy Jean, number S- one. As soon as you said that, I was like, oh, obviously, great song, right? Yeah. Number two is one of my all-time favorite songs, Mr. Brightside, Dancing Queen. Oh, by ABBA. Is Mr. Brightside on there? Uh, I know that one's huge in the UK. No, oh, but I feel like I remember seeing like it was like a top twenty list or something. I only wrote down the top ten. That okay. might have been on there. Britney Spears is number ten. Hit me, baby, one more time is the tenth most popular song in the world. I knew it was going to be that one. Wanna be by Spice Girls is number nine. If you want to be my lover, that yep. one. Yep. Torn by Natalie Imbrugalia or something Imbruglia. like that. Imbruglia. Know, that's, that's a great song. It is a great song. I still remember the video of the guy like dancing to it. He's got this whole like mime thing he does where he does his big, I'm torn. He does this big like tear motion and it's <laughs> hilarious. It was popular a few years ago. I guess I haven't seen that video. You want to hear them all? Or yes. You? Okay. okay. <laughs> what are we on? Number six uh, is Don't Stop Me Now by Queen. Okay. That was a little surprising to me. I don't know. Then we got I Want to Dance with Somebody by Whitney Houston. Okay. Total Eclipse of the Heart. By Bonnie Tyler. I don't even know if I know that one. Mm, the name sounds really familiar. Then we got Angels by Robbie Williams. Okay. And then Sweet Caroline. Uh, of course. By Neil Diamond. Yeah. And then it's Dancing Queen and Billie Jean. Yeah, I've definitely heard bars full of baby boomers singing Sweet Caroline. Yeah, they love it. Yeah. They sing that at all the Cubs games for some reason. Hmm. And everybody loves it. I'm like, uh, okay. Yeah, it's, that it's, list. It's okay. You that know? list is clearly skewed to the older generations. Except for like the 2000s pop. Yeah. It's kind of like our generation, I guess. The Spice Girls, the Britney Spears. That's true. You know how I like to perform that song, the Britney Spears song? How's that? You got to do it completely straight. You got to like do spoken word poetry instead of singing it you know now i'm just imagining like william shatner style exactly hit me baby one more time yeah <laughs> okay that's the best way to do that song <laughs> i'll have to try that next time like some of them singing yeah are right, we just saying the top 10 i'm getting kind of hungry i think i'm gonna order some food yeah there's yeah, usually they- a little phone you can call the desk put your food order in you don't have to go you don't even have to go see anybody or leave your room mm-hmm There could be a lot of different types of food options depending on the place that you might have, you know, just little snacky stuff like you would get at the convenience store, like Pocky or whatever. Yep. Some places will actually give you like real food, you know? Yeah. Kind of think of like Japanese bar food. Like you might get some chicken wings. You might get the... Takoyaki. Yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah. All you can drink, alcoholic beverages possibly available. I need to hunt down one of those places. We need to sounds... go to one of all you drink, all you can drink places and do the all you can sing package and just go nuts. See, you know, I don't really feel bad about not living in Japan. Like there are, there are a lot of things about living in Japan that don't really appeal to me, but this is one of the things that's like so amazing. Like you can go drink all you want, have a great time singing, and then you can just take the train home. You don't need to worry about like how you're going to, yeah. get home or anything yeah. it's just i awesome. mean it's our own fault can you just imagine having all you can drink stuff in america it'd just be a disaster i, I think yeah i think it'd just be a disaster oh, totally they had a dollar beer night years and years ago i think like the chicago white Sox did it and the game couldn't even finish <laughs> because it turned into a riot and they were like lighting things on fire yeah yeah yeah, I mean, we can't even have vending machines outside. They'll get destroyed. They need to be in metal cages. Yeah, you gotta you know? lock them up in a cage. <laughs> What's wrong with people? Lots of things. Yeah. Oh, we didn't mention the lighting. Oh, yeah. There can be some pretty cool lighting in there. Like, basically, there could be a laser show going on there. You know, they'll have yep. disco balls. Uh, some places even give you control of the lighting so you can. You know, one person's singing and the other one's like, oh, the chorus is coming up. 
Let me hit this slider. Ah, boom, the chorus. All the lights are going crazy. Yeah, it's just so fun. It's so fun. Sometimes there's mirrors in there, so the lights are bouncing off the mirrors, and you can see yourself singing and dancing. Mm -hmm. you, know, you feel got like the, a rock star. You got the two microphones, so you can sing with each other, and the tambourine to get into it, mm -hmm. the food, the drinks. It's a good time. If you're in the right state of mind, it's great. Yeah. Just don't be a stick in the mud, yep. and you'll have a good time. Yep. All right, so let's say you're, uh, you know, your vocal cords are getting a little hoarse, or maybe you you drank enough and you're ready to stumble out of the place. When you're done, uh, you're just going to take this receipt. There's going to be a receipt that you get, like when you first get into the room. And this is kind of how this is how Japanese restaurants work too. You know, it's a little different from in America. Like when you get sat down at the table or you get your karaoke room, they give you a little clipboard with a receipt on there, kind of saying what you got you know yeah and then you grab that receipt and bring it up to the counter at the end and that's where you settle your tab yep all right so those are karaoke boxes but those aren't the only places that you can do karaoke in japan right paul yeah japan's still got the old-fashioned karaoke bars where you can go sing in front of other people not nearly as common as the karaoke boxes but they're they're around yep they're usually found in like the entertainment type district of a city. Something that I experienced on my last trip to Japan is a fairly new development from what I understand. Something called one kata. Yeah, I saw these. So it's like exactly the same as a karaoke box, except it's a lot smaller because it's just for one person. I saw some pictures and they're like legitimately small. Yeah. Like there's enough room in there for like a chair and a TV screen. Yeah. <laughs> like there's room there's room for you to roll the chair back so you can stand up if you prefer singing that way. Okay. But yeah, they're they're pretty compact. So if you're self-conscious about your singing, or maybe you just want to practice, or maybe maybe you're really good at singing and you want to get like a pro studio level recording of yourself, you can do that at these places too. They have pretty nice mics. And you can like plug the mixer right into your phone so you can record yourself that way. That's awesome. Yeah. It's just a slightly like higher end audio experience if that's what you're looking for. Yeah. I heard lately it's becoming more popular with amateur singers just to like get the practice in, you know, yeah. have that time where you can just sing and you don't have to wait for your friends or whatever. Yeah. I mean, where else can you go just sing your heart out? You know, like uh, Japanese apartments, your neighbors aren't going to be happy with you. No, you definitely not. <laughs> so there's a Japanese verb, hitokara, which means to sing alone or to sing karaoke alone. The kara is karaoke and hitori is alone. So mm -hmm. they slam those together. So that's becoming more and more of a popular thing to go sing alone. Yeah. I sing alone all the time because singing is fun. If my car counts, then I sing alone almost every day. Yeah. Yeah, that is one of the only other places that you get a chance to do that, I guess. Your car's like your own little miniature karaoke box, except you need to keep your eyes on the road if you're driving. Yeah. You know, I actually, I have this huge, like, 300-plus song playlist on YouTube, and I downloaded all of those songs and put them on my phone so I can listen to them in the car and, like, sing along <laughs> in the car. That's cool. Did you know in the 1990s, there were karaoke taxi cabs in south korea what yeah they oh that's built, so cool yeah they built sound systems and microphones into the cab and then in 2003 there was a chinese company that released a car that had a built-in karaoke machine as a standard feature you didn't even have to pay extra for it wow i feel like if i was in one of those cabs like, I'd just be getting warmed up, and then, like, Mr. Brightside would come on, and, like, they'd stop and open the door, and I'd be like, keep driving, <laughs> keep driving, we're not done yet. Yeah. <laughs> that would be cool. They should make that a thing here. Karaoke video games are a thing. Those have been around for a fairly long time at this point, actually. Yeah, you know, I suppose even, like, uh, Guitar Hero, they had a mic. You yeah. You sing along. Or... Well, I think Guitar Hero was just guitars, but Rock Band kind of expanded on that, and you got... Yeah, and then Guitar Hero did it. Oh, they did have a microphone? Like for... Guitar Hero 3 or 4 or something. Oh, okay. I didn't get that far, I guess. Yeah, yeah. 
There's also a game called Let's Sing. There are a bunch of like karaoke games, but those types of games have actually been around since the 80s. Oh, I was surprised to learn. That's cool. Yeah. There was a game, a Famicom game in 1985 called Karaoke Studio. Okay. The song selection was relatively limited, of course, due to the technology of the time, but that's cool. Yeah, absolutely. Another interesting thing I saw is that karaoke is being used in welfare facilities to help prevent dementia in elderly people. Oh, yeah. Did we talk about that in the robots episode? There's a robot that like leads sing-alongs. I think we mentioned that. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, they show the word like the robot's got a screen on their chest or something that shows the words or yeah. maybe there's a TV involved. I don't remember. You might you might be thinking of Pepper with the screen on her chest. I don't yeah. know. She probably could do karaoke, I, I imagine. But yeah, this this is actually really effective. People remember those old time songs? They're singing along to Sinatra. Yeah. I, I actually took a music therapy class in college. What? And, you know, they talked about like how music can be really amazing for people that are like totally checked out. Like you can find a person that looks like they're totally catatonic like they don't respond to anything but then you start playing a song that was from like the formative time in their yeah. life you know their high school teenage years or whatever all of a sudden they're getting up fly me to the <laughs> moon and you're like whoa this dude hasn't talked in two years yeah <laughs> or like i think i've heard of people where it's like they're pretty much unresponsive but you put them in front of a piano like if they used to play piano you know you just put their hand on a piano and they just start, they just start moving, going, you know? Oh, man. It's like it's, it's locked away in this, I don't know, the musical part of your brain is like really Humans powerful. are biomechanical robots. Yeah. And that part of your, your biomechanical brain is like- It just clicks really, in. It's hooked into going. your emotions yeah. so tightly, you know? Yeah. Music is definitely an emotional experience. Yeah. That's part of why it's so powerful and so moving. Definitely. Well, everyone's out to have a good time. So you don't want to be a jerk. So let's talk about etiquette a little bit. Yeah. Karaoke don't, etiquette. Don't want to step on anybody's toes. If you're doing this with close friends, you know, some of the etiquette stuff might not be quite as big of a deal. Yeah. Yeah. You got to interpret the situation a little bit. Read the room, guys. Exactly. Like, if you're only with your very best friends, you kind of have an agreement about how this works. Some of this stuff might not apply, but, but these are some good guidelines, especially if you're doing it with people you don't know very well. If you're out with some karaoke rookies, offer to sing first. It's embarrassing for people. Like they, once you start going and getting into it and they hear, well, depend, you know, if it's me, they're going to be like, okay, he's not that much better of a singer than me. This isn't too embarrassing. You know. Yeah, breaking the ice. Yeah, is, is exactly, good. exactly. So uh, this rule, I feel like I have trouble with this sometimes. Paul, let me know if this is something I need to stop doing. Let me guess. <laughs> Queuing up multiple songs in a row. Yeah. Yeah. I would recommend no more than two. Like, because two can go by pretty quickly. It's okay, I think, to do two in a row depending maybe if on how many people. If there's 40 people in the room, like yeah. that one room, then that's maybe too much. But. Yeah. Or sometimes what I'll do, if I'm trying to keep it short, I'll just do like, oh, I'm really excited to sing these two songs. I'll punch them in back to back, but I'll only sing like half of each. You know, I'll just get through a verse and a chorus or something. And then I'm like, okay, like we can keep going. Yeah. You know? Every once in a while I've looked up and been like, who's got those next four songs? And Jason's sitting there like, uh, but you're usually pretty good at like, you'll skip a couple of them halfway and like, you'll get through them. That is something I'll work on though, Paul. I promise. Along that line, it can be useful to make a song list ahead of time of songs that you think you'd like to sing. Cause it's hard, like in the moment to be like, uh, what song do I want to do? So you don't have to sit there hogging the book or hogging the remote the whole time you can just look at your list and find a couple of them and punch them in real quick. Yeah, that can also help because remember you're paying for the time. So you don't want to waste a bunch of time flipping through the book. You don't want like everybody looking at each other like, oh crap, I don't know what song to sing next. You know, you yeah. ideally you want to have songs 
going constantly for the whole time you're you're renting that room. That's a great point. Never let the music stop. Mm-hmm. Another nice thing is picking songs other people can sing along with. Mm-hmm. Like there's certain songs that are just so like if you pick Dancing Queen, like you got a good chance that like everybody's gonna know it. Someone might want to sing along with you. I always love doing Disney duets. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people are into those Disney songs. Everybody knows them. Aladdin and Jasmine. Maybe get some uh, Under the Sea Yeah, something. I'm, I'm pretty sure I've seen you do both of those before. But even though there are two microphones in the room, that doesn't necessarily mean that there should always be two people singing at the same time. What I'm getting at is you don't want to be singing over somebody else's song. Yeah. You want to... Maybe ask permission. You know, is it like cool if I sing along with you on the other mic? I wouldn't even do that personally. I think if somebody wants somebody else to sing along with them, they'll invite that person to sing along. Or, you know, maybe somebody's singing and they realize, okay, I need some help with this one. They hand the other microphone to somebody else as like a, hey, would you you help me out here? But if one person is singing, you don't want to steal their thunder, you know? You don't want to just grab the other mic and start singing along. Yeah, it's a good point. Except maybe with really good friends. Like, you know, when Jason's singing his fifth song in a row, I'm just going to grab a mic and start singing along because I'm like, yeah, he had enough. I can't fault you for that, Paul. (laughs) But another point along with that is don't sing over people. Like some people aren't as loud or whatever. If you like get on on their song and you just start slamming and then you can't even hear them anymore, that's not cool either. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a little bit of skill there too. Uh, with the microphone, like if you're not used to singing into a microphone, it might take a little time to get used to like how close it should be to your mouth. You know, obviously the closer it is, the louder you're going to sound through the speakers. So you kind of got to listen and balance it with the music, balance it with whoever else is singing. And you know, there, there'll be knobs on the mixer to help you, uh, adjust those levels too. Uh, be a good audience. Yeah. That's a really good tip. Like, Pay attention to who's singing and cheer them on. You don't want to spend all of your time looking up whatever song you're going to play next and ignoring what yep. what your friend is doing, you know? Yeah, everybody has more of a good time if you're paying attention. Applaud when they're done with a song. Mm-hmm. Congratulate them. Tell them good job. Yeah, don't have like loud conversations with somebody while somebody else is singing. Oh, That's yeah. just rude. Oh, no, don't. Don't leave the room in the middle of somebody's song. I mean, sometimes you got to pee or whatever, but... Someone's know. singing, Jason, did you hear what Sarah did last <laughs> week? Like, no, yeah. no, save it for the after party. Yeah, or if somebody's singing, don't just like have a disgusted look on your face and cover your ears and just like walk <laughs> yeah. out. Like, I can't take this anymore. Yeah, no, that's not good. Uh, don't record other people. Like, you know, they're out there singing their heart out. They might be singing some inappropriate lyrics. Who knows? Like, don't pull out your phone and start recording them unless they say you can. Yeah, that's one of those rules that can bend if you're with close friends. I mean, sometimes somebody might ask you, like, hey, would you film me singing this song, you know? Yeah, yeah. I don't know if this is exactly an etiquette tip, but maybe just a a general tip to make it more fun is just, you know, try, try not to be shy. The best thing about karaoke is just being able to let loose and have fun, yep. as we as we said earlier, I guess. Some people can be really self-conscious or whatever, but you know, getting over that and embracing the experience yeah. can be a great bonding experience. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, maybe none of you are really comfortable with singing, but you kind of go through that together and then you you come out of it on the other end a little closer than you were before. If I could take my team at work to go do anything, it would be like go karaoke together. (laughs) That'd be great. I actually, uh, at the company that I work for now, when I first started there, we had like a group of people that all trained together and I got everybody to go out to karaoke and it was a ton of fun. Yeah. I've been to karaoke with a number of people where it's their first time Mm. and to see them be all like nervous at first, but then two hours later towards the end of the night, just see them having a blast, just singing their favorite songs, not a care in the world. That's really fun. It's great. It's heartwarming to see someone come around like that. 
And making, like you said, making good connections with people, mm-hmm. letting your guards, a great way to like get past your guards with people that you're like not good friends with yet. Mm-hmm. And that goes back to that point of no judgment. You know, that that's the most important thing. If somebody isn't a great singer, they probably know it. And, you know, maybe everybody else in the room realizes that, but there's absolutely no reason to point that out or to make right. any indication of that. You know, right. that's just, just don't be a jerk. Right, they're not a professional singer. We get it. Like, you don't have to say anything. Yeah. I don't know who needed to hear that, but <laughs> there's, there's those people one, are out there, right? There's someone, yeah. <laughs> I got a bunch of fun facts about oh. karaoke, because there's just too much cool stuff. Me too. So I didn't know this, but there's a popular karaoke game where the machine will pull up a random song for you to Mm -hmm. sing and in some machines you can even pre-program it to like only pick from a certain genre or something like that so you get a song that you might actually know cool in the united states it's called kamikaze karaoke (laughs) or karaoke roulette that sounds kind of fun. I've never done that before. Yeah. I always have so many songs I want to sing that I never even like get through them all yeah. anyways. So I don't know. I guess yeah. I've never thought about that. And if you come across a song you don't know, you can just uh, do a spoken word poetry version of it. Yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, so I learned that there are actually karaoke contests all over the place yeah. these days. Yeah. One of the biggest ones is the Karaoke World Championship. It's been around since 2003 when it started in Finland. Yeah, I of saw all that. Places. I was like, interesting. <laughs> there were seven countries that participated in the first one, and now there are around 30 countries involved. That's cool. Yeah. In Japan, many karaoke singers have one song that they're especially good at that fits into their range or whatever and shows off their singing abilities. And they call it Juhachiban in reference to Kabuki's Juhachiban, which are the 18 best Kabuki plays. Interesting. We were just talking about lists in the Nico episode. I guess there's a list of uh, best Kabuki plays, too. I'm not one bit surprised. <laughs> 18, though. That's a lot. Paul, I have some fun world records for you. Oh, yeah. You saw these two? I saw a few i don't know which ones you got i found a really long list but i just wrote down a few of my favorite ones (laughs) yeah yeah me too the world record for the longest karaoke marathon by multiple participants 895 hours and two minutes that's a long time that's over 37 days (laughs) that's crazy straight they set this record in mumbai india in 2019 okay The world record for the longest karaoke marathon by a single person was set in 2011 in Italy. This guy, Leonardo, wait, let me do my Italian voice. Leonardo Poverelli. (laughs) Pretty Uh, good. Was that? I don't know. I need to practice that. But he sang for 101 hours, 59 minutes, and 15 seconds at a cafe. I can't even stay awake that long. Yeah. That's two and a half days i wonder if or he over. must have been drinking caffeine or something right my math was way off there that's a lot more than two and a half days <laughs> oh yeah i missed that's more than that's four over days. four days <laughs> yeah he sang 1295 songs in a row dude i wonder if there were any repeats yeah i didn't see that i don't months. know how, how do you even learn that many songs I think in that world record with multiple people, I think I saw that they never repeated a song within a two-hour block or something Mm. like that. Yeah, there had to be some repeats in that one. Yeah. Uh, The world record for the most karaoke participants was set in 2009 in Bristol, Tennessee. 160,000 people sang uh, the Garth Brooks song, Friends in Low Places. At the same time, at the most fitting setting, you know. <laughs> where, where was that? Before a NASCAR race. So you hate it. I love it. When I was a little kid, my mom got into this huge country phase 
which really? she got over. But my very first cassette on my Walkman was Garth Brooks. No way. And it had this song on it. Huh. I got friends in low places. Oh, Sing dude. it, Paul. Where the whiskey drowns and the beer chases my blues away. Woo! Yeah, yeah, I could go on. I could, I could probably still sing the whole album. Wow. I listen to that thing so many times. Hmm. I'm just not a big country fan. I, I still like those songs because it was like important to me growing up or whatever, but I go back and listen to Garth Brooks and like, I, I, I don't quite get it anymore. I don't know. It was a 90s thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was huge, man. I would have been singing along so hard in that crowd. I probably would have left halfway through the race, though. Those NASCAR races are, are long. Yeah. Like 500-mile race? My goodness. And they just go in circles, you know? I don't know. Cars are cool. I just like Formula One more than NASCAR, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't watch racing. I'm not going to disparage it. I mean, I get why people like it i guess i'd just rather play like racing video games or something than watch racing yeah yeah, a little more interactive yeah uh paul do you see that in some traditional chinese restaurants they have mahjong karaoke rooms what so mahjong you've heard of that uh, chinese game yeah yeah one of my brothers is into that yeah so at these places it's like you got all these old people hanging around playing mahjong and then there are teenagers singing karaoke in the same room what yeah i I just thought it seemed like a really cool way to get like different generations together kind of having fun i don't know how much fun they have together but at least in close proximity you know i get yeah i don't know they like the having the atmosphere while they're grinding mahjong all day or something yeah i mean they get they get live music while they're playing games you know enjoy the energy of the youth and watch yeah. them have fun yeah okay that's cool that's cool yeah that was interesting any more fun facts i think those were all my best fun facts i got one more and i think this is the well, most interesting one i came across but it's not exactly fun all right one one to end it on let's do it so i read about several instances of violence related to karaoke what yeah like you know, somebody just can't take it anymore. Maybe somebody's a really terrible singer or they're just singing a song that this person hates and they just flip out, you know? Just just leave. You would hope that that would be their first solution to the problem. But there have been headlines in Malaysia, Thailand, and the Philippines about people getting murdered for their terrible singing. Oh, my goodness. So, like I said, I guess there are people out there that need to hear you know, don't judge other people singing too harshly. I, I wish you never told me that, Jason. Now I can't unlearn that fact. There's more, Paul. Oh, <laughs> no. Those were just the killings. Wait till you hear about everything else. Yeah, somebody was tortured for months. <laughs> no. Sing that song now! <laughs> In the Philippines, there were at least half a dozen killings related to people singing w- one specific song. What's, Ma- what song? My Way, popularized by Frank Sinatra. They actually, in the media, they dubbed these the My Way killings. Was it the it same was person common. killing these people? I can't imagine. I mean, after the first one, they would have gone to prison, right? Or people just really bad at that particular song for some reason. I don't know what it is about that particular song, but some bars have actually banned the song because of these killings. Yeah, they want everyone to get shot up at their place. Yeah. Okay. Isn't that crazy? That's all right. I guess moral of the story is rent the karaoke box and don't go sing at the bar in front of a dr- bunch of drunk people. Yeah, I guess. Okay. Yeah, it was not fun, but it was an interesting fact. I will give you that. Yeah. I thought it was, I don't know. I don't know what the word for that is. It's something. Morbidly it's really something. fascinating. Yeah. You know, just my kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, right <laughs> up your alley. <laughs> All right. Uh, moral of the episode. Everyone should karaoke. It's the best thing ever. Yeah. Go have some fun. Let loose. That's all I got. Me too. Guess that's the end of the episode. And if you're enjoying the podcast and want to help us out, it would be awesome if you could go to your favorite podcasting platform and give us a rating. Or even a review if you feel like, feel like writing something out. Maybe, uh, you know, talk about your favorite episode or something. 
Right, Paul? Yeah, absolutely. Great to see the feedback, knowing that people are listening and seeing what you liked. That's always interesting, too. I always know what I find interesting, but it's fun to hear what everyone else finds fascinating about Japan. Definitely. And if you want to give us direct feedback and not just post it out on there for everybody to see, you could always send us an email. You can send it to uh, feedback at sightseeingjapanpodcast.com. We always love hearing from listeners. Mm -hmm. Paul, what are we talking about next time? We're going to talk about miso. Yum. Everyone's probably seen or had miso soup, but what is miso? Where does it come from? How is it made? We're going to answer all of that for you. Yes, we are. And I'm thinking there are going to be some parallels between that and the soy sauce episode. Yeah. But I'm really excited to learn about like different miso recipes, different ways to use miso, you know? Yeah. It's used in so much. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think of miso soup, but it goes way, way beyond that. Yeah. I've experimented a little bit with using it to like marinate fish and stuff. Okay. But I'm sure there's tons of stuff and a lot of different types of miso too. It's different flavors. Yeah. Miso broth in mm. a lot of soups. Yeah. That miso ramen. We talked about that. Yep. Should be a good one. Absolutely. Well, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.